Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to episode number 23 of the NAX podcast. My name is Jordan Martin, and I'm the head of marketing communications for the Northern Alberta Extreme uh, Academy now, or program, I guess. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by NAX Vice President and Program Development, Tyrell Spitzer. Uh, Tyrell, it's been a long, long time since our last episode, uh, long enough that our, we're no longer just Northern Alberta Extreme Hockey Academy, and you also have a new title. So um, a little bit of a shakeup there. How, how are things going? It's, it's it's good. I've uh, to be honest, Jordan. I've missed this. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of things happening in, in terms of academy uh, with the um, future editions of baseball and golf, uh, as well as some other sports. Um, kind of within the next uh, uh, couple years, uh, planned or vision. Um, so yeah, lots of exciting things going there. Um, keeps me busy, uh, even in uh, all these downtimes. Uh, I know we wanted to kind of continue the the podcast when the season was going, but um, you you know Jordan, but I don't think everybody else quite realized that uh, with the ongoing um, COVID situation and positive tests and close contacts, and uh, me helping kind of design the schedule for um, the CSSHL Alberta Division. Um, it was a constant movement in terms of teams and travel and, and, and stuff going on. So it was it was tough to kind of get together with uh, with yourself and and some of these these people that we wanted to or sorry athletes um, that we wanted to sit down with. And um, you know it's almost like we need another break to kickstart this thing. But um, I'm excited that we're back. Uh, Jordan, how have you been? I've been good. Just like you, obviously, really busy. Um, it just made it tough, like you said, to kind of get together and really do these, but it, it, we got some time here now and we'll try and crank out a couple. And then hopefully once we do get kind of back in the swing of everything, though, we have maybe a little extra time here and there to keep it actually going this time. And I hear there's a lot of news coming down the, the pipe since the last time we did one of these. I think you mentioned that we were, uh, last on the podcast in August. So tell me everything that that's happened. <laughs> since August. Yeah, yeah, I just tried to pick the uh, the big thing. So, you know, if any of our alumni or current players, anything, if we miss you, sorry about that. We got about four months worth of this stuff we're covering. So um, first off, you know, we kind of touched on this already. We're no longer just, you know, the NAX Hockey Academy. We're uh, our hockey program. We're, uh, we got a baseball page. Uh, well, baseball team, you know, our, our baseball page is up and live on our website. Our registration for the evaluation camp is now open. So we're looking to really grow and expand and i know we have plans of adding uh, a bunch more too this isn't this isn't the end for the expansion yeah no it's exciting i mean we're able to kind of start the baseball program this year uh in terms of um, skill development and um, conditional tournaments for the spring Um, we've rolled out uh, kind of a more enhanced season and and team format for next season at uh I think a lot of people will be excited about. You know, we've had lots of really good conversations with um, some uh, high-level baseball coaches and uh, people that are involved at even professional levels around the area, and uh, been able to kind of set up a really, really strong program. and And I've done a lot of educating myself, um, Jordan, with uh, just even professional teams in the area about you know different teams we have between the prospects and now the river Hawks and the different leagues they play in and where they get their athletes from and, and kind of the connection to, to pro. And, um, so it's been a lot of fun, um, a lot of education, but, uh, yeah, yeah. We check out the page. Um, if you're interested, 
Uh, I think there's a, a U15 and U18 programs that are that are available. And uh, just come check it out. See the people that are that you'd be working with. See what the schedule is all about, and and uh, see if it's a fit. Yeah, and there's lots of information on that page right now. There's a PDF with kind of breaks everything down. Uh, so if you any, have any questions, you can head there, and maybe we'll have to have Mike or Todd or Austin or someone on and uh, just talk more about the program again as we continue to build it. Um, but more baseball news too. One of the the players on that uh, baseball team right now, Ryan Ludwig, committed to Farley Dickinson University Knights uh, for the 2021-2022 season. First player from that team to commit somewhere, so that's pretty exciting. Well, any time that you can have success right out the gates is is uh, is awesome to see. Um, you know, you have you have a player that's committed to the program, especially if it's your program and and finding instant success with it. I mean, that's. Uh, that's really cool for Ryan. Uh, that's really cool for the, the for the the baseball staff, and that's really cool for NEX as as a whole. So, um, congratulations to Ryan. Uh, congratulations to um, uh, FDU because uh, the Knights got a heck of a a back catcher coming down the pipeline here. We're all excited for him, and we're gonna look forward and kind of watch his career unfold there. Um, that's kind of all we got for baseball news right now. Uh, so we'll hop over to hockey. Um, Someone you've had the pleasure of coaching this year, Tyrell, uh, Alyssa Benjamin has committed to the University of Windsor-Lancers for 2021-22. Uh, Maggie Peterson, who used to be at the program, currently plays there as well. So uh, maybe Tyrell, just talk a little bit about uh, Alyssa. Yeah, no, this was really cool for Alyssa. I mean, Alyssa came from a, a team out of the island, uh, Vancouver Island. It was a Victoria Seals team program. Um, you know, fairly, uh, fairly, you know, difficult season for her last year being on a, a weaker team compared to some of the other teams that play in that league um she ends up joining the program um you know really really skilled uh you know great vision uh, strong skater um was able to come to an environment where you know just because of of the environment you know we have eyes and and ears on us and uh she was able to get an opportunity right out the gate and she actually was uh, committed to windsor before she even played a game um, and you know how that works is um, she comes into an environment where we have you know scouts and uh, you know relationships that are built, and uh, they were able to kind of talk to a few of our players, uh, our O threes, and, and then come out and watch practice. And she was one of the girls that was identified and and uh, and offered. So you know that just goes to show that you know when you're if you do have the opportunity to to put yourself in an environment that can give you that that look, I mean that does help. Um, it's not the end all and be all. I think Alyssa would have been, would have been, uh, you know, offered a, a spot regardless. But just you know, being able to sign papers before even playing a game this season, that just goes to show the uh, the environment that she chose to come to, and and then obviously get uh, an awesome opportunity out of it. Yeah, no, so that's that's awesome for her and uh, the female program off to a good start this year with that commitment. Another uh, NCAA commitment, uh, Darwin Lackaduct officially signed his national letter of intent uh, for American International College for next season. So uh, he was at the program before I was. So um, Tyrell, maybe talk on that one as well. Yeah, he was he was with me on the inaugural year uh, when we, NAX first started on the male side. You know, he was. Uh, the key piece to the championship team, um, someone who is responsible defensively, but also had some uh, offensive um, uh, skill to go along with it. Uh, so he was used in a bunch of different situations. You know, typically players like that don't necessarily get the the love. <laughs> you know, they're not quite as flashy as as the the guy who's really really high end or 
you know, because they're they're they are so responsible that they kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit. He had to work. Uh, this is this is actually a really cool story for me because um, he had to work his way through, you know, uh, a final year of midget. Uh, he you know went to go play in the BCHL, uh, wasn't able to crack. Uh, the, the the original VCHL team he was looking at joining um, ended up having to play a year in the VI, um, but rather than looking at as a step back, went in there, you know, got off to a, an awesome start, was leading the league in scoring, um, got some opportunity in that. Sorry, was leading his team in scoring. Uh, he was high up there in the league, um, got an opportunity uh, with the the Grizzlies, um, committed to them. Got to play on a team with Alex Newhook, getting a lot of looks. Uh, he had an opportunity to play with Penticton Bees um, as well, where he was able to get a lot of opportunities uh, there as well in terms of exposure. Uh, so this is someone who just basically brought his luck to work and um, didn't matter what his situation, just kind of brought a positive attitude and and uh, just did whatever he needed to do to, to help the team be successful. So it's really cool to see him kind of you know, work his through his way all the way from you know a midget 15 team all the way into uh, an NCAA Div One scholarship uh, out of you know maybe one of the strongest tier two leagues um, in North America. That's awesome for him and a, a really interesting story, kind of that perseverance right to to get to where he is at now. Um, another NCAA commitment uh, for the 2022-23 season, but. AJ McCauley has committed to the University of Alaska Fairbanks Nanooks. I don't know if that's right, but anyways, he was here for one year, won a, a championship with the midget prep team. Tyrell, thoughts? He was a part of that team that was, you know, just like uh, I look at that team and there was some unbelievable talent uh, up front, you know, all the way through the lineup. I mean, it was really 12 forwards deep in terms of talent. And, and then the back end was was uh, just as exceptional. I mean, every single one of those defensemen was, was high, high end. And, and uh, AJ was one of the guys, you, you know, as strong as that, that decor was, was, um, you know, a, a difference maker on the ice every time he was out there. Really, really strong skater, um, really strong puck mover, uh, had some grit, he did too, um, liked to play a fast game, but was willing to take the time to, um, to make life hard on opponents uh, if, if that was the direction of the game. Um, so it was really good to see him, you know, uh, I know he was close to Bonneville the year he came back. Uh, kind of polish his game a little bit, and now he's he's hopped right back to Bonneville and getting this commitment right away um, is is not a shock to me. I mean, uh, Alaska got a, a really really smooth skating defenseman. I and, and you know what, this is another player that you don't hear too much about, but I mean, he's a reason for a lot of success on on a lot of the teams he's been on throughout his hockey career so far. So uh, keep an eye on AJ. Yeah, so keep an eye out there for AJ, like you said. Uh, just one more piece of AJHL news. Uh, Nick Lair and Miles Hillman were named captains of their respective AJHL teams. Nick with Spruce Grove and Miles with Drum Heller. Uh, I had the chance to coach Miles the year we won the uh, uh, 15th championship. I guess that would have been two years ago now. Awesome kid. Maybe a little surprised he's captain this early, but not surprised that he's an AJ, like, AJHL captain. Uh, I think that was definitely in the books uh, coming for him. Uh, Tyrell, thoughts on Miles or Nick? Yeah, Nick was, uh, like Darwin, he was uh, kind of one of the original players on that, that 15 team. So he, he played 15 and then preps. Um, so I had an opportunity to work with him for two years before he went to Spruce. And, um, I mean, he is, uh, he is a team guy. I mean, he likes to have everybody um, laughing, loose, uh, but he knows when, when stuff's on the line. Um, he always, always 
tries to find a way to make an impact, whether it's through uh, production or physicality or, you know, just positive talk. Um, he, you know, especially in, in big games and, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough with, with the teams I've had that we've been in enough of them, whether it's tournaments or, or playoffs or whatnot, that, um, I mean, Lair was always a guy who you knew was going to show up um, and, and he was going to bring something. And, and, and more often than not, he'd bring, he'd bring a, a bunch of things. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's no shock at all. I mean, he's, he's going to be a reason why Spruce Grove, um, rallies together. And I know they had a bit of a tough preseason here, but, um, then they got off into the regular season, I think with a little bit of a bang and he's, uh, he's the type of guy who can, who can rally the boys and, and get the job done, uh, most nights. And he can, like I said, he can hurt you in a, a number of different ways. He can get hurt you on the game sheet. He can hurt you with his physicality, and and uh, he can also bring a, enough uh, enthusiasm to get um, enough of his teammates to bring that uh, physicality and, and production as well. So, congratulations to Nick. Um, I mean, he's a fun player to watch. And for Miles, yeah, Miles is um, a little bit different than Nick. I mean, he's a, a tip of a, you know one of those leaders that's. Uh, kind of more of a lead by example. Um, I mean, his work ethic is, is second to none. Um, he, you can tell that the characters through the roof, um, you know, well, always says the right thing, does the right thing. You know, it's a, he's, uh, you, you can't find him in, in, in a negative situation ever. Um, he is, uh, yeah, like you said, you knew he was going to be a captain this early just goes to show what type of person Hillman is. And, and I mean, every coach who has an opportunity to work with someone like Hillman is going to uh, is, is just going to love their job that much more. I mean, he takes care of a lot of things um, in the dressing room, on the ice, and uh, and again, and another one of those guys that he finds different ways to to make the the night difficult on opponents. He's a guy who can score. He's a guy who can play physical, and, and he's a guy who can uh, rally the troops a little bit different than Nick. Nick's going to use his voice and crack a joke and and stuff like that. Hillman is more going to just say, um, you know watch how I do and then uh, get the boys fired up that they want to do the same thing as soon as they jump over the board. So um, pretty cool that both those guys are, are coming through our program and now leading their AJHL teams. And I think they're both going to do an exceptional job at that. I just want to add that Miles was still 16 when he was named captain of his AJHL team. That's kind of what we're talking about at such a young age. But uh, And you'd have to think too with Nick that there's there's got to be some type of school commitment coming for him here soon too, hopefully. But we'll, we'll wait and oh, see there. after that comes. Yeah, there has to be. I mean, Nick is just too key piece of the uh, team for school to pass to pass on him. I mean, there's. Uh, I mean, he's one of those guys that like he can play anywhere in your lineup. First line, second line. You know, you need him to play a depth role. You need him to kill penalties. You need him to provide something on a power play. Like he uh, he will be there, and you'll find a way to make an impact once he's there. So um, I'm not worried about Nick. And then Miles, you said was 16 when he was named captain. Yeah, I think it was the day before his 17th birthday. Uh, he got named, so he he just finished up his his rookie season and then uh, started the second his second year as named captain. So that's incredible. Like he's either got to be like, oh, well, I don't know if it's necessarily record territory, but because um, maybe it's happened before. But he's got to be in pretty good company if he was 16 being named an AJHL captain. I would think. Yeah, I I don't think that happens a lot. So that just kind of shows that type of leadership he has, like you were saying. So. And then uh, our last piece of news here, and definitely our biggest, is this was a, a huge first for the program. Originally, probably should have happened back at the end of June, but I mean, COVID pushed everything 
to when it did, but we had five players selected in the 2020 NHL entry draft uh, with Luke Prokrop taking the honor of the first ever NAX player selected. So he was taking the third round, 73rd overall by Nashville. Uh, Michael Benning went next, fourth round, 95th overall to Florida. Uh, Carter Savoy selected fourth round, 100th overall to his hometown Edmonton Oilers. And Ethan Edwards selected fourth round, 120th overall by the New Jersey Devils. And then Connor McLennan was selected in the sixth round, 178th overall by Philadelphia. Yeah, pretty pretty cool experience for uh, NAX when, when Luke's name was called, being that first player kind of within program history. And, you know, we're still fairly young. Um, so, you know, we, you know, our goal as a, as a program is to try and have this, this list ever extending. Um, but Luke being that first name called was, a, it was a big, uh, big moment in, in NAX history. And, um, obviously he's, he's had a good, uh, WHL career and, and, uh, Nashville, I think is, uh, it would be an awesome situation for Luke in terms of his style of play and, and what they do with defensemen, I think is incredible. So, um, Really cool to see. And then we have three AJHL uh, players, two playing for Shirt Park Crusaders, one playing for uh, Spruce, uh, who is now relocated to the USHL uh, to further his development. Um, and then Benning and Savoy obviously jumped to um, NCAA Div 1 uh, to further their development. So, you know, they were able to kind of get into the league, um, make a lot of noise, uh, and uh, obviously rewarded for it. But three exceptional players. Um, Edwards and Benning, you know, similar in terms of uh, the way they, they like to play the game. Very dynamic, uh, very offensive-minded, um, but are willing to do all the things required in order to take care of uh, responsibilities defensively. And Carter Savoy, I mean, he's, he's, he's a, just a, he's a goal scorer. I mean, he just loves to create offense, uh, whether it's off his stick or putting people in the scoring areas. I mean, he, he just, you can just tell he just thrives and and, and putting uh, putting goals up on the on the board there, so um, really cool to see. And then you jump back to the WHL and high f- flying Connor McLennan. You know he's uh, I think he's going to make uh, a lot of noise this year uh, if it does get off for the Winnipeg Ice. And again, another guy who who likes to wheel around the ice and and uh, provide scoring. And you know Philadelphia has done really really well in the draft over the last number of years. So. Um, I mean, you know, this could be another one for them where, where they were able to select him and he could turn out to be a kind of a diamond for him. So, yeah, really cool to see those five selected. Like I said, a really, uh, really exciting day for NAX as a program. And Jordan, hopefully we can have, uh, you know, we can have a um, conversation like this once a year and have that list grow. Yeah, that'd, that'd be exciting. I mean, we do have uh, four players currently on the uh, NHL Central Scouting preliminary preliminary watch list for 2020-2021. Dylan Gunther has an A grade, which is considered a first-round potential. And then Lucas Siona, Mark Lujol, and Zach Stopchuk all have uh, C grades, which is around four to six. So could have another four guys drafted here again shortly, and uh, we'll have to follow that closely. One thing I just wanted to touch on, too, with the the five guys drafted is very different paths for all, all five of them. Luke and Connor, obviously, I guess, more similar, and then Benning, Savoy, and Edwards all kind of close. But McLennan was second, and then I think Prokop was seventh in their WHL uh, draft. Yeah. 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 And then they both go straight to the midget prep team, um, straight to the WHL at 16, and then again at 17. So they kind of have that path that gets them to where they are, and then you have 
Benning, Savoy, and Edwards all start with the 15s team. You know, all kind of late picks in the WHL draft. They go to that 15s team. Uh, they have that undefeated season, win a championship. Uh, Benning and Savoy go to the AJHL at 16. So just like uh, Prokop and McLaren, they make that jump to junior. Uh, Edwards stays at NAX for another year, though, and, and plays his 16-year-old year here uh, with the Midget Prep team. And then at 17, goes and joins Benning and Savoy in the AJ. So before, again, getting drafted. So kind of, you know, a little bit of different paths, but they all end up in the same spot. So I think that's just something that people kind of need to keep in mind, that there is no one one path that leads to success because right there you have three different ones uh, from five different kids right so something just to keep in mind well and you got to think like um you know uh, in in terms of pro cop and mclennan i mean they they did the prototypical play at the highest level all the way through uh when you think about it like bantam triple and, and then they step right yeah. into yeah. a highest level of, of midget and then they step right into whl and and uh i mean that's prototypical um and then you have guys that are, are legitimately making choices on development paths. Um, so when you talk about Benning, Savoy, and Edwards, um, you know, I, I know for a fact they would have had um, you know, midget AAA and even midget prep opportunities, um, but they chose you know, uh, you know, a certain, certain coach and certain um, development model and uh, you know, with a certain group of, of individuals. And, and that made sense for them, and they didn't care about the title. They didn't care about where it was. They they just literally made a decision based on that. And then fast forward, um, you know, Benning Savoy jumped to the AJHL. Phenomenal situation for them. They took off right at age 16. Edwards had that opportunity as well, um, but it worked out for him the year before. So he decided to do that again um, and actually had an AJHL opportunity. Um, a couple of them offered a few times uh, even when the season got going and he chose to stay the course and uh, play one more year midget and was never in a rush um, and uh, yeah to kind of see them all you know where they got picked and how they all lay out and it's uh, it's it's really interesting to see and uh, it's it opens up a lot of really good discussion but um, yeah I, I Jordan you make a really good point there's not one perfect way it's uh you got to really kind of make a conscious decision on you know who's standing in front of your kid what's the environment like what's the development opportunity like and then try and make the best decision you can from there so um and you can kind of see it come full circle for for a number of those guys so that's great to see and then uh jordan talking about your guys for next year i mean um i had an opportunity to work with these players gunther siona lejoie and stop chuck and um i mean I think you guys know what my thoughts are of Gunther, and and uh, and he was able to kind of showcase that uh, over the course of this year. And and uh, I mean, wherever he gets selected, um, both him and his team are going to be very very happy. Um, Siona is on an he's he's going one direction, and that is just up. Like his his growth from his first skate uh, when I saw him to where he is now and where he's headed. I mean, he's in one direction. So I know he's a bit of a um, I think you said C ranked, correct? Yeah, the th- yeah. yeah, Siona Lejoie and a stop jacker C's. Yeah, but Siona, Siona's, uh, I mean, he's one of those just trending upward type guys. Like he just somehow finds a way to take that next step all the time. So, um, I mean, I'm pretty excited for him. Lejoie, um, I mean, he keeps growing. He keeps getting more scary, uh, and then seems to have the boots and the and the puck movement and everything to. To go along with it, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna be a very dangerous player in the WHL, and I would be shocked if he's stuck 
uh, had, had a C rating. Um, I think he's going to absolutely consume Fords uh, as a 17 this year. And, and then Zach, you know, Zach, and, and it's going to be interesting to kind of hear Gregor's story because Zach to me is a little bit like a, like a Noah Gregor where, um, you know, you, you hear about him, but you don't, there's not a lot uh, being said about him and a very kind of underrated player. I know in, in my Bantam year, I mean, he actually probably was played more than anybody else on the team just because he was a 5 tool player. Um, you know, ended up playing on the first line power play unit and was the first guy over the boards on a PK situation. And um, anytime we needed an important face-off one, he was the guy being sent out there. Um, so, you know, whether it was him taking it or he was going in as a secondary, um, he was always in consideration for the situation at hand. Uh, and I think there's, I, I, I assume there's going to be a lot of scouts that um, see how much he's valued by the Giants this year and in a bunch of different similar situations. And, uh, and he might even be um, a guy who ranks, uh, starts to rank up a little bit. So excited for those four. There's actually, uh, I think, um, some guys floating around that aren't uh, that aren't mentioned there that could work their way in, but uh, I mean those four are, are exceptional players, and uh, yeah, if we can be here a year from now, Jordan talking about them and where they're selected, that'd be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see what happens. And you kind of touched on uh, the stop check to Noah Gregor comparison. So in in that note, we will move on to our, our our next interview, which is like you kind of touched on there, Noah Gregor from the San Jose Sharks. Our next guest is from Beaumont, Alberta, and just wrapped up his rookie season with the San Jose Sharks. So welcome, Noah Gregor. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Noah, you actually probably don't remember this, but I've actually interviewed you twice before. Uh, I was working at the Leduc newspaper, uh, so I interviewed you actually right after you got drafted and then again right after your oh, rookie camp. okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. So it's good chatting with you again. Yeah, there you go. Right on. <laughs> so, uh nowhere we went through a bit of a lockdown there um i know the nhl was able to pull something together in terms of playoffs unfortunately the san jose sharks weren't able to you know participate uh in those playoffs um and then there's uncertainty with the nhl season starting when it's going to start you know how how it's going to look um how do you like what are you up to what's your day-to-day um what's uh what are you hearing and what's keeping you motivated and, and what are you kind of trying to do with your time between now and whenever you figure out when the season's going to start? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been uh, a different process here. The longest off season, you know, I've probably ever had in my life. So uh, it's a little different, you know, just trying to, to stay busy with, with skates and workouts. You know, in Alberta, for the most part, I've been able to have a, a normal summer's program with uh, the gym being open and skates uh, being available up until know last week when everything kind of got shut down so you know, up until now everything's been somewhat normal just uh you know, been a little longer than normal so with everything shut down now how does someone like you um try and stay kind of sharp just in case things turn around here right away and they announce the season and like you know how how would you find that edge over other people that might not know what to do or sitting around yeah i mean it, it's obviously tough right now but uh you know, I can still go to the gym uh, by myself, so I'm going to continue doing that. And then, uh, you know, off ice, it's tough. So, you know, I got uh, my grandparents, or my grandma, sorry, has uh, you know, a rink out at her farm that I can uh, use. My cousins are out there, too. So uh, that can, you know, keep you, you know, a little bit sharp, keep the, keep the hands going on the ice. Uh, obviously, it's, it's an outdoor rink, so it's a little different. But, you know, it can get out there 
you know, a couple times a week if I, if I want to. So that's nice that uh, I have that instead of with all the rinks being uh, shut down. So let's dig into a little bit your, your hockey journey. Um, when did you start uh, playing hockey? Uh, young, I think probably three or four. I, I was on the ice. Okay. And then, you know, the first time I experienced Noah Gregor was in Bantam AAA. Uh, I was coaching the Sherd Park team and, and you know, back uh, back in those days, the Bantam AAA League was was pretty strong. It seemed like everybody had a, a star or two and you definitely knew when you were going to Leduc or Leduc was coming to town that you had to kind of watch for that Gregor. I think you wore number nine that year. Is that correct? Jeez, in Bantam. I think I was 22 in Bantam. Or 22? I think I was 22, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that explains you scoring five goals. We were covering the wrong guy. That was the last game <laughs> we played against the Duke. Uh, no, but I mean, that was uh, that was kind of an exciting league. So maybe talk uh, a little bit about your Bantam year and kind of, um, you know, how it went, uh, you know, how strong the league was. Some of the players, like, I mean, Alberta had a really strong group of, of 98. Um, and maybe talk a little bit about kind of your, your Bantam year leading up into your Bantam draft and what that experience was, was like. Yeah, uh, Leduc was awesome. My dad was able to coach me both years of Bantam, so that uh, right there was a plus. And uh, both years we had you know, some pretty solid teams. Uh, you know, we were always competitive, had some pretty strong players both years. Um, I think definitely my second year, the, the 98 group was, was really good, especially in the north with, you know, guys like Benson and Steele, uh, Quenville, Clegg, you know, setting records that year in the, in the Bantam League. So the competition was really high. And uh, I think that, you know, also probably helped uh, with my Bantam stock with uh, just having that many eyes on some good players in, the, in, in my area. So, you know, overall, it was, uh, it was a really fun time. And, you know, I love my time in Leduc. And then leading up into the draft, um, kind of what was, what was the, the conversations with teams and kind of that experience? Like, was it like... Where, was, it, was it something where people wanted to kind of see what you could do at Alberta Cup? Or was it just, you know, we, we like what we see and would you be interested in coming? Like, what were, the, what were those conversations like? Yeah. Uh, you know, the Bantam draft is, you know, it's kind of a weird time. But my brother had went through it two years ago. He got drafted to uh, Brandon. So I sort of had an idea of what, uh, you know, what to expect. For the most part, it's just scouts. You know, they'll talk to you every now and then after a game. And, you know, my dad will pull me inside and just say, you know, uh, Victoria's here, Moose Jaw's here, they have a scout that would want to come talk to you, just give them 15 minutes or whatever, so you just talk about, you know, your family, your life, uh, you know, your skill set, and then, you know, leading up to the draft, obviously, Alberta Cup is a, a huge thing for for uh, scouts and going into the Bantam draft, and our team uh, actually won the Alberta Cup that year with uh, Northeast, I want to say, we had Shred Park and Beaumont, uh, Lloyd Minster so we had a really strong team and we were able to win that so that was kind of my uh lead up and Bantam draft uh process awesome so you were selected 55th overall by Victoria Royals in 2013 um maybe take us through that experience kind of showing up to your first WHL camp uh what that was like and then kind of what your your take back was going back into your first midget triple a year yeah, that was uh, really fun. Victoria was, uh, you know, it's a beautiful city. Uh, my dad played there when they were the Cougars. So uh, he sort of knew the area a little bit. So that was that was fun. He came down with me the first, my first camp. And it was a good experience just to, uh, 
you know, to see what uh, junior players are like and, and how I fit in. Uh, I didn't get any exhibition games or anything like that. I think I just went to main camp and then went back to uh, to the dude to play uh, to play midget. But I think you know I had a pretty strong showing at camp and, and did pretty well. I think Victoria, you know, they asked me to sign, but uh, you know I, I passed at that time and I just thought it was better to just go into to midget with uh, you know all options open and um, ended up having a, a pretty strong strong year in midget. Yeah, strong enough to capture uh, the leading scorer with 51 points. Um, so obviously a confidence-building year, being a 15-year-old going to Midget Triple A League. Um, you know, how, how, what did that do for you? What was that year like? And you know, going back to camp, um, you know, did you feel better about your game, or you know, what made you kind of all of a sudden make that decision to maybe sign there, or you know, make that commitment to the w, WHL? Yeah, I mean, that midget year was, was really good. I think um, you guys are dating me a little bit, but I think our team in the regular season was, we might have finished first in the North. We had a really strong team with, uh, you know, a lot of third years. So we, I think me, myself, and uh, Dylan Hamlock, were, or Dalton Hamlock, sorry, his brother's Dylan, uh, were the only first year. So we had a really older team and, and a strong team. So, uh, you know, I got lots of opportunity, though, and ended up, uh, you know, putting up, you know, quite a bit of points and having a, a strong year and uh, that kind of set me up for, you know, some opportunities with uh, junior teams and getting asked to, uh, you know, go to Crusaders camp and, and then, uh, geez, I got traded to Moose Jaw too, like halfway through the season. So they had, uh, you know, a lot of interest in me and you know, going into to their camp after my midget year, they, uh, you know, they wanted me to play right away. So I didn't sign up until uh, my first exhibition game with Moose Jaw. So that whole uh, midget year, I kind of just waited it out and kept my options open with with college and stuff, just to just to see what what, what happened. I didn't know if I was going to be able to play a ton as a 16 year old, but Moose Jaw really uh, had a lot of uh, no faith in me that I would be able to play as a 16 year old so that uh, eventually led me to sign there so it just felt like it was a really good fit yeah uh yeah. I think at the time you know Moostra didn't have the strongest team so I think that gave me a lot of opportunity to to come in and play a ton and uh before I got hurt that year I, I was playing a lot so uh it, it definitely helped that uh at the time they weren't the strongest team and I had an opportunity to play who was the coach at the time there in Moostra? Yeah. Uh, I had Tim Hunter. It was Tim. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe uh, how was he as a coach? Uh, you know, me and Tim uh, had our ups and downs, I think. But for the <laughs> most part, he, he uh, you know, he helped me get uh, to, where I, to where I am today. He, uh, you know, he really pushed me. He was hard on me at times. But uh, I think for the most part, he, you know, he had my best interest and just wanted to get the, the most out of me. And I think, uh, you know, he definitely helped me get that. Awesome. So we're going into your 2014-2015. You were named to Team Canada Red uh, U17, but unfortunately missed the tournament due to an injury. You missed actually a lot of time that year. What was the injury and what was that like kind of you know, trying to go through that and trying to stay positive and, and, and bounce back uh, within your hockey? 
Yeah, that was a you know pretty tough year for me. I think about six or seven games in, I I got hit and broke my collarbone, so that was uh, you know tough and uh, something I'd never really experienced. You know, big injury like that, and I was already named to the team Canada, so that uh, you know added another uh, you know tough blow for myself. So I missed about three months and then I think right after Christmas I was able to come back and then right away first game back I broke it again same collarbone same place so uh you know my team and, and the doctors kind of just told me shut her down for this season and, and get as healthy as I could to uh to come back the following year but yeah that year was uh was really tough um you know I couldn't really do a ton you know even off the ice because for about six months I had a broken collarbone so it was tough, but uh, you know, I had a, you know, just had to try and stay as motiva- motivated as I could, and you know, just believe in myself that I would be able to come back and and be a good player, and uh, ended up having a really good year the next year. Well, that's some pretty big adversity. I mean, I've had the opportunity to work with players, and you know, sometimes an injury can really derail them where they they just can't recover. Um, so that happening kind of back to back and, and taking away some opportunities for you that, you know, you might get again down the road, you might not, uh, you know, playing for the national team and whatnot. And, you know, in, in, in your case you do, but how did you, like you talked about staying motivated. So what exactly would you do to try and stay most motivated during that year, uh, in order to have a bounce back? Uh, you know, I think just for the most part, I'm a, I'm a pretty positive guy, and I, and I think I'm I'm pretty mentally stable. I don't get too down, you know, too often. And uh, I was able to to stay in Moose Jaw for a lot of that time, so I was still around, you know, the guys for a lot of it, and you know, I was still in school in Moose Jaw with with the younger guys. So I think just you know, keeping my mind off the injury and just being around the guys. And then I've kind of always enjoyed the gym, so and the and the off ice and skating. So uh, I had a lot of time. To, to do that and you know that's always something I enjoyed so it uh, it really wasn't too you know mentally draining on myself it, it obviously sucked not being able to play for you know a whole year but uh, I knew that Moose just still had a lot of faith in me and uh, you know I was able to come back you know healthy as ever and, and the collarbone's been good so uh, it worked out awesome I uh, just stepping into the following year so now you are uh, you're playing for Moose Jaw, and you end up getting uh, most assists by a WHL rookie with 45. So obviously, kind of a very successful year, uh, and you also have the opportunity to play for Team Canada U18 team. Um, so all of a sudden, going from a injury-riddled season to a very successful rookie season, and uh, and the opportunity where the, the Maple Leaf maybe take us through that experience. Yeah, that year was, uh, you know, a lot happened in that year, uh, going from missing a whole 16-year-old season to uh, having a pretty successful 17-year-old season was was pretty crazy and all happened uh, really quick. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, a lot of those assists uh, were able to happen because I was playing with Braden Point and Dryden Hunt for, for a big chunk of that year. So that definitely helped uh, help me get some points. Those guys were, uh, you know, two of the top players in the league that, that entire season. They were They were pretty dominant. So... That, that definitely helped me. And then, uh, you know, at the end of the year, after we got kicked out uh, in the second round, I was able to hop into the World Championships uh, U18 there and, and uh, represent uh, Canada for the first time, which was obviously pretty cool 
having missed out on it the, the year before in U17. So that was uh, no, definitely a cool experience. Uh, wasn't the best best outcome for uh, for Canada that year. I think we placed yeah we placed fourth. We lost to US in the in the bronze. So that kind of sucked. But uh, you know a lot happened that year, and and it was a really fun year. One of the best years I had in junior for sure. Awesome. So playing with Point, um, so Point would be a 96, correct? And you're a 17 year old playing on the top line. Yeah. How did how did how did you get to that opportunity? Like what what needed to happen in training camp or the start of the year to to get to that point? Uh, I think you know probably just you know having a pretty strong camp and and uh, you know the team you know believing that I could uh, to play in that position. Uh, I, I kind of just stepped right in and and from the start we had uh, pretty good chemistry. It was, Obviously, it's pretty easy to play with those guys, and uh, you know I always felt that uh, you know I could skate with them and 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 think with them, so that uh, you know gave me opportunity to play with them for for a lot of that year. Yeah, that's so key, um, being able to to think and execute at that level because he's he's having a pretty good uh, couple years with Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so during that year, you get selected fourth round, 111th overall by San Jose. Uh, in the 2016 NHL entry draft. And you also played in the 2016 CHL top prospects game. Um, let's let's start with that top prospects game. Maybe who were some of the guys that really stood out to you in that game and, and maybe talk a little bit about that experience? Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, I, I don't know when exactly the, the game was, but I know I, I wasn't too sure if I was going to, gonna make it i wasn't you know super highly ranked at that time uh just i think missing out that whole 16 year old year my my stock was kind of up in the air so i wasn't sure if i was gonna make the make the prospects game but uh lucky enough that i was able to and it was in vancouver that year and i think uh the top players were you know, jacob chickering was a guy who who really stood out to me he was uh, you know a solid defenseman and then we had uh Jeez, who else do we have? I mean, Steele was a really strong player that year. Steele was really good. Um, I think those were the two guys that I remember that were, you know, really strong. Obviously, it's just one game. It's tough to get a, you know, a huge uh, look on these guys. But, you know, that game was really fun. I actually ended up uh, taking a stick to the face and broke my nose in that game. So I, I missed, a, missed a big chunk of that game with uh, you know, a broken nose and a black eye. So that was... Uh, that's something I'll never forget is, you know, breaking my nose in that game. Wow. Well, you just seem to keep rolling, eh? <laughs> you lose some of these opportunities, but you just keep keep trucking along. Yeah. So uh, you get drafted to San Jose. Uh, maybe talk about your first uh, first camp. Um, maybe talk a little bit about your experience going in and, and maybe the, some of the people that made you feel comfortable there. Yeah, uh, definitely a lot of nerves. Um you know, obviously never being being at a camp before and, uh, you know, going in with, uh, you know, really not uh, knowing anything of what to expect. Uh, you know, San Jose is, uh, you know, a really good city and, um, you know, the camps aren't aren't crazy hard. They're uh, you know, a lot of on-ice stuff, so that, you know, makes things a little more simple. And, um, you know, going into main camp, I think, was the biggest adjustment, just uh, skating with all the know the NHL players and really getting a sense of of what it's like to to play at that level and you know it's pretty uh pretty intimidating that first camp seeing guys like Burns and and Thornton out there ripping around 
you know, big humans too. So it's uh, it's a little different, but uh, you know, I think uh, you know after the first couple skates, you, you sort of get used to it a little bit, and uh, you know, it, you get used to it quick. Yeah. So which one of those guys would any of them stand out to you, and guys that kind of really brought you in and kind of made you feel comfortable about the camp and everything? Uh, no, I think for the most part that first camp, not too many uh, of, the, of the veterans are usually talking to the younger guys. Maybe just a, a quick hello here and there. But uh, I think it's usually the you know the, the guys that have been there that are you know in the American League or you know a couple years older than you that have been to a couple camps. I remember uh, you know Rourke Sharchi was a guy that I you know kind of hung out around who was two years older than me and you know drafted a couple years ago so he was someone that uh, that helped me out a lot and yeah, obviously being a couple western guys that was nice and then once you've established yourself as an nhler um, is there anybody that you've kind of saddled up with in terms of uh on the road or chatting with in the room or anything like that uh you know mostly uh the younger guys i think uh you know mario ferrero is a guy that i hung out with a ton uh, I mean, all the older guys are great. Uh, you know, like the leaders are really good in that room with, uh, you know, Couture and, and Burns, Carlson. They all they all make you feel really good and, and like you're part of the team right away. So that was that's that's super good. But obviously those guys, uh, you know, a lot of those guys are older and, and have families and kids. So it's tough to, uh, you know, hang out with them a ton away from the rink. But uh, they're always there for you at, at the rink and, and making you feel comfortable. Awesome. And then I got to ask a question just because it's on top of my mind. The five-minute penalty to Pavelski, what are your thoughts? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Watching that game, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, the refs made their decision and, uh, and the Sharks capitalized. I don't know what else, uh, what else you can say. <laughs> no, fair. Uh, so now just going back to... Um, just your process uh so i mean i like uh you're a very entertaining player to watch i think uh, a lot of people that are fans of san jose are going to want to get gregor jerseys here in years to come but um there was a little bit of a, a blip in the process and you've had to go through a few of them after you were drafted <clears throat> um you were sent back to whl for an overage year now, what was the reasoning behind that? Uh, was that was that yours? Was that management? Was that because they figured that, um, you know, you're you're, I believe you were with Prince Albert at the time, correct? Uh, I had gotten traded to Prince Albert in the summer, so I hadn't been in Prince Albert yet. But yeah, no. I was going back to PA. And they were kind of poised to be a really strong team that had a chance at winning. Now, yeah. did that play into the decision at all, or, or what was the reasoning for maybe going back as that overager? Yeah, I think it was a combination of a few things. I think, you know, I don't know if I was completely ready to, to step up and, and be, a, be a factor that year as a, as a 20-year-old, you know, first-year player in, in the American League. Uh, I think I believed in myself that I, I could have played that year, but uh, obviously it's, it's not my decision. It's the management's decision. And I think knowing that PA was, uh, I think they were already 6-0 and to start the season when I got sent back. So I think that definitely made, uh, San Jose a little more comfortable with myself going back to uh, to a really strong team and and being an overage year, uh, you know, I'm obviously going to be able to to play a ton and and play in every opportunity that's going to help me uh, improve my game. And uh, honestly, I think it was uh, one of the best uh, best things that could have happened for me and my development. I had a, you know, a really strong year. Was able to 
explain every situation and obviously our team uh, had a had a really strong year and ended up winning that year so I think looking back now uh it was it was really good for my development and uh I think it was the best thing for me well that's really good for young athletes to hear um you know obviously you want to play at the highest level um but kind of going back and then obviously you made the most of that that season um that was incredible season for Prince Albert and as well as yourself um but did you uh that was the year that you ended up with 88 points in 63 games uh 24 points in 23 playoff games and then winning a whl championship uh so obviously like you're not really you kind of made the most of it when you went back i mean i've seen from other players that have been in a similar situation they kind of go back and they almost feel like oh it's you know they're just kind of dragging their feet while they're there um but to go back and do what you did i think was was pretty incredible and uh, it's really important, I think, for these young athletes to hear that looking back, you felt that that may have been the best decision for you, going back and playing there as one more year rather than playing, you know, whatever you were planning on getting in AHL. Would you, would you actually say to young players now that in similar situations, whether it's Bantam or Midget, uh, you know, some people have the decision to play Midget AAA as a 15-year-old or Midget 15 or even Bantam, Bantam first year on a AAA team, or um, you know, kind of being a top player on a Bantam AA team. What would your communication be to those young athletes now going through what you went through? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think uh, you can take my you know situation and kind of put that into uh, you know other levels of, of hockey. And I think you know tons of people put so much pressure on on making that jump as a first year into AAA or you know, mid to triple A as a 15 year old when, uh, you know, for a lot of people, they're, uh, you know, they're not quite ready for that jump and uh, it can actually stunt your development if you're going up a level that, uh, you know, you might not quite be ready for and, you know, you're not getting the opportunity to, to uh, you know, to get ice time and, and that can really uh, put a damper on a, on, a, on a kid's development. I think, uh, you know, with myself going into a 20 year old and say I would have stayed with the Barracuda that year and, you know, been scratched every you know, couple games, uh, not getting a lot of points or a lot of touches on the ice. Uh, that can you know hurt you, uh, hurt your confidence big time. So I think uh, you know kids going through uh, you know bantam or midget and not uh, not making uh, you know a high level hockey team uh, as a young kid or or any in any age. Uh, you know, they shouldn't let that affect them and just know that sometimes playing down or, or getting held back a year can can be the best thing for you just getting a you know a ton more opportunity than uh, you might have uh, otherwise awesome Jordan you had a question about an opponent you played against yeah actually I played against your brother in junior B there when he was with the Chiefs um, he was a good player I just remember being super fast but I yeah. just want to know what you learned from him. I know you obviously said he went through the draft process two years before you. So, uh, but what did you, he kind of teach you? And uh, maybe what were some of the road hockey battles like? Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, those were fun times. Uh, not in the house I'm living at now, but our, our old house, uh, we had an unfinished basement. And uh, I remember our, my mom would paint the, paint the cement, uh, blue line, red line, blue line, and have the crease. So, my brother would be down in the basement all day and, and just playing playing road hockey down there. But 
Uh, I mean, my brother and myself kind of had a similar path up until up until junior year. We went through the Bantam draft, got drafted, played midget AAA, uh, and then obviously went to uh, to junior A and then junior B. But uh, so I was able to kind of you know pick his brain a little bit just about the draft process and uh, you know going into camp for the first time in in juniors. Uh, but I mean, not a ton of you know in depth conversation. I think it's just kind of watching him play uh growing up and you know seeing seeing what it's like and i think that just watching them really uh could help myself and in, in learning the game and uh another question for you um jake paul just had a successful bout there the other night <clears throat> and uh one of your teammates evander kane is uh calling about on social media what are your thoughts on evander kane versus uh jake paul event <laughs> yeah uh I mean, I love it. I would love to see that happen. Uh, hopefully, I'll get to sit uh, sit ringside, be in his corner. That'd be uh, that'd be pretty cool to see that happen. I think he'd uh, he'd have a pretty good shot. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, four and four is something you added into your your training, I guess, this summer. Is it something that you would continue adding into your training moving forward? Yeah, definitely. It's uh, you know something different than just kind of going through drills or, or power skating. Uh, you know, a couple times a week, it's fun to get out there with uh, you know some high-level guys, lots of lots of junior guys, lots of pro guys. That was something different that I think uh, you know a lot of those guys that were in the tournament uh, really enjoyed, and I'm uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that in the future. Awesome. Well, Noah, I really appreciate your time, and uh, and uh, thank you. And we hope that the season kind of comes around here sooner than later, uh, so we can. Um, Watch you fly around the ice at a million miles an hour for the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, thanks guys. It was fun, and yeah, hopefully we're back on the ice soon here. Getting a little, getting a little tired of the off season here, so hopefully we can get back soon. All right, thanks. Yeah, thanks, thanks Noah. Chad. And San Jose Sharks forward Noah Gregor, Tyrell, your thoughts. Yeah, I know. I like he. Uh, I remember watching him as a as a bantam hockey player, and he was always kind of mentioned among the elite uh, players. But I don't think he got as much as much love as uh, those guys did, and it never really helped him because with his injuries, it kind of always set him back a little bit. So, you know, very very underrated in my mind. Him uh, growing up bantam midget and even in junior. Uh, and I think when he was able to step into um, that overage year of WHL, uh, or sorry, his his rookie year then WHL, and then kind of have the success he did, I thought that was um, that was a, kind of an awesome story because he had to kind of go through a bit of adversity, and uh, and him kind of embracing going back to the WHL as that overage year, doing what he needed to get done there, uh, you know, winning a WHL championship. I mean, that's not. That's not easy to do. Um, so for him to go back and get that done, and then you know have the career he's having now, I just think he's uh, he's a very very exciting player. Um, but he was kind of always you know kind of that second tier name um, all the way up, and you could just kind of tell. Like I, I understand now why um, you didn't hear him as much as as uh, you should have because of all these setbacks, but. Um, really glad to see him doing well, um, and you know I had him on these four and four skates. And Jordan, he is dynamic, like fast, skilled, can score. Like he, he'll be an exciting player for San Jose uh, for a lot of years to come.
what were your thoughts there, Jordan? Yeah, I think you're totally right about like kind of the underrated part. Like when we're, you know, I'm doing all the prep for these these interviews and I'm looking up all of his accomplishments and you just wouldn't think that he's done all these things based kind of on, uh, you know, maybe where he's drafted and the path he's had. Um, but like, like you know, he led that midget AAA league with, in points as a, as a first year. Like that's, that's impressive. Then you look at, you know, two years later, he leads WHL rookies in assists. And, um, you know, his draft year, he actually was over a point a game. Uh, and it's funny, though, because you look at he's third on his team in scoring that year. And the guy who's fourth, uh, Brett Howden, ended up being a first rounder. The same year as Noah. And Noah went in the fourth round, even though. And I know it's not all points, but Noah had uh, over a point a game and Brett's under. So you kind of see how he's maybe a little underrated. And um, But he, it's I think it's worked out from the end. I mean, a WHL championship and he's in the NHL now. So. Uh, good for him. Yeah, and, and uh, like unbelievable person to talk to. Like, uh, you know, he kind of mentions in there how pos- he's a positive person, and and uh, he really is. Like, anytime I've seen him around the rink or whatever, like, there's just he's never seems to be having a bad day. And uh, and those are you know people you want to have on your team and you want to surround yourself with, especially if you're going to be successful. And you know he's one of those guys. So, um, like I said, I think San Jose should be pretty excited about what's coming down the pipeline for him. Cause I mean, he's, uh, he's not only going to do good things on the ice, he's also going to do good things off the ice for that community and, and that dressing room. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like I mentioned before, I, I've had the opportunity to interview him twice before actually in both times, uh, just very well spoken. Uh, the last time I spoke to him, I think he would have been 18. You know, I talked to him just uh, after he got drafted and then after again rookie camp and just really well spoken. And I, I know after the draft, obviously he was pretty busy, but he still found time to uh, deal with at the time just a local small town reporter. But so uh, just a good kid. And, uh, hopefully bright future ahead of him. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, that was a good one. I, you know what, Jordan, I'm happy we're, we're getting back on this train. I know we got a couple other big names here because we've had lots of time to kind of get this back organized so can't wait to get this train rolling again yeah we uh hopefully have jake debrus coming up here in the next couple days and uh we'll kind of leave it at that for now though